0: Greetings, everyone. It's Scott from the Gen X Playback Show. We're now ready to start part two of our discussion on Gen X fashion. And did I mention, you look marvelous. I mean, even there was a TV parody on Saturday Night Live with Billy Crystal that commented on the fashions and how people looked. And it's not how you feel, it's how you look. it was a big joke, but actually, think about when you were uh, growing up in the Gen X era. Chances are, if you followed fashion, you looked very different from year to year, decade to decade. There's no doubt that fashion played a very big part in Gen X culture. So sit back and relax and enjoy part two as we sort of start in the middle of the 80s and then finish out the 90s. It's 15 years of fashion right here on the Gen X Playback Show. Take care. All right, so, Sean, now you know we, we're going from somebody like Prince, who has a very recognizable look, but I don't know how many people tried to emulate it or copy it. Now, like we did with Madonna, now we're going to go to something that transitioned to the masses. And oh, this, yeah. This is the TV show Miami Vice, specifically Don Johnson, uh, and this look swept the United States of America, hands down.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, it's... It- In many ways, I think we can probably still feel the effects of it today. I, you know, you you take we talked about the Ray Bans, Miami Vice, the the Don Johnson designer stubble. Hey, I'm still wearing it to this day. So, you know, I guess it was influential. The, you know, when we began this entire episode, I talked about bright colors and pastels. That is what I'm visualizing when I'm thinking of the of the bright colors of Gen X. You know, Miami Vice was so influential on, on our generation. I don't think, I have a hard time even expressing to people that might not have lived through this to understand how this just swept through. And this was a look that made its way into the high schools.
0: I mean, could you, Sean, could you really imagine, Is has there anything recently, like within the last 15 or 20 years, that maybe some of our listeners could say, was this popular this fast in terms of the, the style and how quickly it hit the schools? You mean based on like a television show or just in music? Yeah, I mean, it could be mu- anything, no. any kind of a look. The only thing
1: I'll compare it to is what we're going to talk about down, you know, soon, and that's going to be the grunge look. Okay. I mean, I think overnight you had people that, that embraced the grunge look in, in the masses, but Miami Vice was just, you know, this, this phenomenon where... Every aspect of how Don Johnson looked got copied. You know, everything yeah. from his hair, like I said, from from the stubble, the sunglasses, the jackets. I mean, suddenly guys are going out and they're going out to the mall and they're buying these thin jackets that they're wearing over top of T-shirts. And they're wearing, you know, dress pants, the you know, kind of uh, Chino type dress pants, maybe cotton dress pants. And, and they're going on and wearing
0: loafers. With no socks. With no socks. And that that became a huge... Tra- I mean, because really, that's one thing that you can do to look cool and you don't have to spend any money is not wear socks. And I I definitely was... I, I jumped on that bandwagon. Well, yeah, I remember getting... I think it was... I don't know if it was like an Easter outfit that you and I each got... Like our mom went out and got us clothes. And I remember it was, it was the white clothing like from miami vice yeah. and i thought oh, this, i mean i wore that to school proudly i did and um you know the linen suit is what don johnson really kind of popularized. that linen jacket that was yeah. because the show was set in miami so it's supposed to be you know i guess very hot down there but don't take it away from philip michael thomas who was the co-star he played Tubbs on on miami vice as well he was influential with the type of suits that he was wearing because he was into the silk shiny suits and the shiny ties and and the double-breasted suits yeah so i
1: actually got a double-breasted suit i actually got because i remember getting two of them uh senior year right when we i had my senior pictures taken right went out and got a gray suit and a blue suit and i and i got both of them
0: double-breasted because of tubs okay yeah so i mean the the tv show miami vice really uh what much like madonna really captured I think school-age kids in in what they wore to school every day. But you could you could wear cheap clothes that look
1: like the 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 look. So it, you could go out and get shoes like I did. I remember getting a pair of white slip-on loafers mm-hmm. that I don't think I spent more than fifteen dollars on. Okay, you know they were. You you would go out to to one of the uh, the discount shoe stores. And they would have something that looked pretty good, you know. You, you weren't going to get a lot of life out of them, but that's not what you were going for because this was about, you know, fashion. You sure. Know? And fashion was going to be out of style in a
0: year, so it didn't really matter. And in the movie, one of one of your favorite movies, Pretty in Pink, with Molly Ringwald, the um, the character Steph, mm-hmm. which was Blaine's friend in the movie, he dressed like that. He was he very much had that Don Johnson look where he had he wore a lot of white pants with no socks and yeah. the, and the loafers. And that was that kind of it was right around that time, so it it really did set the stage for that for that culture. Now there was another culture that you and I were also into, and started to influence us as we sort of phased out of the you know we're we're kind of floating between Bruce Springsteen and Sonny Crockett, but there was also a culture out there that you and I uh, really liked as well. And that was sneakers. Oh, yeah. And hip-hop and rap music in particular loved sneakers. Yeah. And now, I think up to this point, you could have a cool pair of sneakers. Didn't necessarily matter what kind of sneakers. Now you have a very popular rap group Mm -hmm. that is telling you how much they love their Adidas. Not their sneakers. They're Adidas, and now all of a sudden, Adidas becomes a sneaker you gotta have.
1: I, I could, I, I should show you my my eighth grade yearbook sometime, and I think half the the kids that signed it wrote things such as, "To a guy who wears Adidas," okay? Because I that I. I embraced this. I embraced the the Run DMC, the hip hop culture, and I was definitely letting it be known that I was into Adidas.
0: Yeah, and in addition to that, if if you grew up in the cities, if you were into rap music, chances are, you probably had uh, the fedora type hat, also, where you uh, because uh, you know Run DMC was was big on the hats, and you also had to have a big. Thick fat gold chain, and the cool thing about I never had the, the when, fat gold chain. Well, but you know what? You could go to the beach at Ocean City, New Jersey, and they had those jewelry stores in there, and they sold fake gold by the inch. Yeah, I didn't. I never did <laughs> that. Yeah, and, and you could get yourself a nice knockoff fat gold chain for about fifteen dollars, uh, because you paid about a dollar an inch. If you, you know, if you got it eight. Okay, so if you got a twenty-inch chain, you paid twenty bucks for it. Uh, so you wore that with pride until you know the fake gold wore off, and then turned your neck green, right? I which did see that Which on happened some to a lot of people, yeah. yeah. But you know, when you're down at the beach, you were the bee's knees because you had, you know you had that fake gold chain around your neck. But I, I guess I never tried that. <laughs> no, I was
1: I, I, I did rock the shoes, and and you know I I think. Especially starting in the 80s, and it's true today. I mean, you know, st- sneakers have, have continued, and it, it's it's become even bigger. But, you know, back then, there were a few brands. You know, we've already talked about Adidas, obviously, with Run DMC. You know, we, we met Nike was, was the new kid on the block. Uh, Converse had been around for a while. I mean, right. obviously, the Chuck Taylor All-Stars were around earlier, you know, f- 50s, 60s, 70s. But they weren't necessarily considered fashion like they are today. Today, Chuck Taylors are very popular as far as fashion goes.
0: You know, one of the most popular sneakers or popular shoe brands in the early 80s was Pony. You remember Pony? I had Pony, sure. They were big, as, particularly in boxing. In boxing, yeah. everybody, every boxer wore a Pony. Mm-hmm. And you saw them in other in other sports. They wore Pony like baseball cleats and in basketball- uh, I'm trying to remember who it was that was endorsed. He was a center. He played for Portland. I can't remember his name, uh, but he was endorsed by Pony. Okay. And Pony was was a competing sneaker brand until Michael Jordan took Nike to the next level, and uh, you know then there was Reebok and Adidas. Uh, so Pony kind of got left in the dust, but they were still around at the end of the '80s. I had a pair of Pony high top basketball sneakers in 1989. Okay. So they were still they were still out there. But, uh, you know, it became more popular to what kind of sneakers you wore as opposed to the fact that you just had a pair of sneakers.
1: Right, right. And, you know, today, you know, you have, you know, especially guys who are sneaker heads. Right. You know, and they, they have multiple pairs. I, I never got that too deep into it. I, I You know, that was, they were going to invest way more than what I did. But I, I was always, I, I like to have things that were kind of trending. And so I would always try to stay at the forefront and, and get, you know monitor what was happening with the sneakers and try to you know be the
0: first one to get that latest model i worked at a sneaker store you did as you know yeah after i graduated from high school and uh, i became a sneakerhead when i worked there uh, much like the patrick mahomes uh, state farm uh, commercial mm-hmm. where he was in the sneaker store and he's like oh you don't want these well guess what they're my size and i get the discount so i'm mm-hmm. gonna buy them that's kind of what i got into I, at one point i think now it pales in comparison to some sneaker heads. But I think at one time, I think I earned like 15 pairs of sneakers okay. at, at the same time. So uh, it's very easy to get quickly addicted into them. Um, but, but-, but for for a guy, you know, there's not a lot
1: of accessories for us. You know, as, as you, you, you get older, a lot of men will get into the watches because, you know, you can have the expensive watches and, and there's a lot, you know, you, you can bling out a watch. and and sure you know you talk about the necklace and and guys will do that and sometimes you can do the earrings but you're still kind of limited as as far as accessories go but you can totally use sneakers as an accessory sure and I think that's something that we started to do in the 80s where you didn't necessarily care what your jeans look like I didn't I you know I just wanted a pair of Levi's you know just a standard pair of Levi's in fact I the more rip, the better,
0: as far as I was concerned. In fact, I'd rip on myself, but I like to have a fresh pair of sneakers on. So now we're getting towards the later part of the 1980s. There is this growing number of young business professionals, as they were known as uh, young urban professionals, which became known as yuppies. Mm-hmm. So around 1987, there's a movie that comes out, Wall Street, starring Charlie Sheen. And uh, Michael Douglas, who is one of the best movie characters I think ever done, was Gordon Gecko in, in Wall Street. Uh, now you're starting to see what these these urban professionals are starting to look like. And to put that in terms of music, it's like who'd really dress like that? Well, I, I can really think of one guy at that during that time period, and that was Robert Palmer, mm-hmm. with the uh, in the song that I'm playing here is "Addicted to Love," but exquisitely dressed. You know, impeccably, the, the tie's done, the shirt starched, uh, the pants are creased. You know, he's dressed all out, uh, you know, full professional. And I think that Michael Douglas, Gordon Gecko look, particularly with the slick back hair, became a big thing after that movie was released.
1: It's kind of became the Pat Riley look, you know, the, the head coach at the time of the Los Angeles Lakers. You know, that's a good
0: point. You know, he, I, I forgot about that. He, he looked a
1: lot like Gordon Gecko from yeah. the movie. And you know Robert Palmer. It's, it's in, in a way, you know Scott talked about with the the New Romantics that you know coming out of out of England. You know well, Robert Palmer was kind of that stylish English, you know gentleman in a way. He's he was he was a rocker. I mean this isn't necessarily a hard rock song, but still you know he was up there and, and he was he was looking very polished and and that did influence a lot of people because you know we were taking our cues from what was happening on MTV and. and this wasn't the grunge that was going to come later. This is trying to look your best,
0: right? And Sean and I—I I know you did it because I saw you do it, and I did the same thing. I wore a suit to school, sure, for just for a day. Yeah. But it was—you—you you snapped heads when yeah. you did that. It yeah. was—it was amazing the attention that you would get just by being well dressed. Yeah. And this was certainly a thing. And a lot of my friends by my senior year. I had a lot of friends that I graduated with that, on a regular basis, wore a shirt and tie to school, or wore a sports you know a sports jacket, or wore a full suit. Um, it was not uncommon at all, and that was kind of that yuppie culture because that's what they want they aspired to be these young businessmen. So they wanted to be uh, you know look present themselves as business people.
1: And and I I think this song you know and Robert Palmer definitely. Played a part in that, and you know, getting back to the Miami Vice, uh, you know, where where Crockett, he was the casual guy, you know, with the with the loafers and and the t-shirt. Well, you know, Tubbs was the guy who wore the suit. You know, I said that I went and I got a couple of double-breasted suits because of Tubbs, and I, I think there was a lot of other people watching Miami Vice that wanted to show up and wear a
0: tie to school as well. Right. So that we're coming kind, of, kind of closing out the 1980s, and there was sort of this yeah you know we already talked about rugby shirts. There was kind of this i guess this look back and I think it happens every other generation where our gen- you know gen xers we kind of related more to our grandparents more so than we did our parents and our grandparents went came from that era where you went to the store you dressed up you went to the restaurant you dressed up it's like you dressed up everywhere that you went mm-hmm. so now you're getting into the the later eighties and I think our styles kind of reflected that nineteen forties, nineteen fifties era of the style of clothes. Now you have people that are wearing horn rimmed glasses and they're wearing more suits and they're wearing. You know, it's like I I just watched the the Rick Astley video. She wants to dance with me, and his he's going out on the town with his buddies. Now, granted, the clothes are their the pants are like super baggy, which was you know a fashion trend Mm -hmm. at the time, but they're wearing suit and ties as they're going to this nightclub to, to go hang out. I think that sort of permeated into the later eighties with, um, with these, these looks and it combines with, and I talked about the fitness craze of, you know, the Jane Fonda and the Livy Newton, John let's get physical. But towards the end of the eighties, now you're starting to see the gym kind of being brought out there where, you know, Jane Fonda, you were working out in your house Uh, you know that was exercise was still kind of a one-on-one type deal there were two gyms that went national and were enormous in the late 80s and that was gold's gym right and bally's you remember bally's i I do bally's marketed themselves as the 30 minute workout and it was a total body workout which had never been introduced at the time which gives to show you know how far fitness has come over the years but one of their spokespeople. Uh, I'm going to play the song by her, and I mentioned the reason I kind of give that little bit of a long intro is because if you ever go back and watch this music video, and you look and see how the people are dressed, it's that suit and tie kind of look, with with combine with somebody who's in extraordinary shape from working out because Sheena Easton was. A spokesperson for Bally's she was yeah I do it, remember those commercials and she went to great lengths to, to say how much working out has transformed her body and she's stunning in this video mm-hmm. I, you know it's one of my favorite videos but if you go back and watch the video of course it's got her in a in a outfit that shows her at you know her six-pack stomach right and but it also has people in the bar that it's that it's simulating in the video and they're all wearing shirt and ties. They're wearing jackets. They they look like, it looks like, you know, it could be a variation of a 1950s bar.
1: Yeah, and, and that I think that you're correct. That's kind of the vibe that was happening. You know, the um, it, it was definitely, you know, going in more of a polished direction. I think when we get in the 90s, that's going to change, obviously. But at least the, the trend was to look your best, to look as 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 put together as possible. And that was everything from the clothing that you're wearing but also the, the fitness craze. You're correct. I mean that that definitely extended. I know me and my friends when we, you know, we definitely we were hitting the gym every morning, six o'clock.
0: One of the first things I did after I graduated was join the fitness club that was right in front of our school. Yeah, which was Formula Fitness. To so give a shout out to Jan, if you're if you're listening, Jan, longtime owner of Formula Fitness, That's right? Um, so that was one of the first things that me and my friends did was go and join the fitness club so we could you know get muscles yeah. we, we wanted we wanted to show off we want to show off our bodies just like Sheena's doing in this video and it was it was certainly a thing i remember Glenn Fry being one of the other spokesmen for Gallies as well and so it was it was certainly a fashion it was fashion forward because now we're getting back where the suits and stuff we kind of got into the baggy clothes but i think this fitness craze brought the lycra lycra now it was now becoming a thing in the late 80s so now the clothes are you have you have the baggy suits but you have skin tight clothes as well
1: yeah i I mean it's i i i look back at that time finally now now i was not doing what a lot of people you know our age what they were doing where they were going out and dropping some serious money at the mall Mm -hmm. that you know i you know chess king was was the (laughs) was the big store that people would go and they would shop at uh guarantee that your clothes were going to go out of style yes you know probably not even a year you know six months so they certainly did not need to be well made they were expensive as i recall to go there and i had some friends that shop there but that was never my my style
0: so you know we talked about how mom tried to dress us up from time to time and i think that was when this era is when she kind of lost touch and sorry mom i know you're probably going to listen to this at some point but uh you you would go to merry-go-round or, or chess King and you would get our Christmas, you would get us something from there for Christmas. And if we didn't particularly care for it, we would say that the, the, the legs were too long or something and they need to be hemmed. And then we would go put it over on the pile of death <laughs> because you would always say, I'm, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll get to it at some point. And it, you know, it, it, it just died there. So, yeah, you know, sorry, mom, but uh, Chess King. I, I think I wore one sweater you got me from Chess King. Everything else went over to the pile of death. And um, but yeah, I just wasn't into that that trendy type stuff. A lot of people were, but it was it was very prevalent at particularly around this time uh, because the dance scene was starting to make a comeback right. in the late '80s. For us, it was Rick's place because it was an under 21 club. Mm-hmm. But you know, you had to look a certain way. They would they wouldn't let you in if you didn't look presentable you couldn't just you couldn't wear just whatever to get inside so there was a dress code right it wasn't quite studio 54 where they were
1: going to reject you uh you know just randomly select people to go in but yes you definitely had had to look you know good if you're going to if you're going to enter
0: so now we're now we're actually transitioning into the 90s and with that that sort of baggy look you, you have two factions you have on on one side you have the baggy look on the other side you have a very tight uh tight body look So you you saw it pretty much all over the place in the early 90s. So depending on where you went, like you could watch a video like Young MC, uh, Bust a Move, and the girls are out there dancing and they're wearing skin-tight outfits. You go into the next one that I'm going to play, which is, you know, Sean's going to like this one as well. But this particular group was more into the baggy clothes, but they were into a lot of color. There was a lot of color with these guys, a lot of neon uh, you know They stand out Particularly The one Rapper Because of his hair Very pronounced This is Kid and Play And Ain't Gonna Hurt Nobody One of my favorite Hip hop songs of all time
1: So I actually listened to the song like three hours ago oh did you yeah. yeah yeah i was i was i was preparing in fact today he just said that line about uh johnny, johnny kemp, kemp. Yeah. i listened to johnny kemp right after i listened to this song a good
0: time All i need is a partner in oh yeah i i love me some homeless. kid and fly Sit down to paint the town red tonight Look in the closet. Pull out the hype gear. Pull out the high top fade, and I'm out of here. Yep, the high top fade. That well, was yeah, all kid. And, and and I and I
1: have it actually in my notes about about the hair. And and I wrote Kid and Play. And and you know, so you know, Kid and Play had two completely different hairstyles. Both were very of the time. And, yeah, you know, Play.
0: He was very much in the Bobby Brown. He,
1: and, and he had, like, etched hair, right. right? So he would go to the barber, and he would get, like, a part etched into his like, very tightly trimmed fro. And then he would get, he'd get a little etch. And then, but, but uh, who was it? Was it Play that, that had the, the big hair? Kid. Oh, Kid. So yeah. the Kid basically had the eraser head.
0: Yes. And, you know, you mentioned about Play having the etchings in his hair. That became a big, big thing. In the early, late 80s, early 90s, I actually worked with a guy at the sneaker store, mm-hmm. Chris Jenkins, and Chris had the word yo uh, shaved into the back of his head, yeah. and he had etchings all over it, but he was he was all about the hair, Yeah, uh, he was definitely into his hair at the time, so, uh, yeah, we're starting to see things, we're, we're starting to see more of a push towards color, and, you know, we didn't really talk about uh, shoulder pads yet, but for men and women, shoulder pads are starting to go way over top here at this point. Because
1: I mean, we had shoulder pads, obviously, in the '80s. That, that was that was a thing, you know. Especially if you want to talk television, it started on the show Dynasty. Mm-hmm. You know, that's where the the I think the fashion kind of started it. But you know, the fashion on Dynasty was probably imitated by ladies who are our mom's age. Sure, right, and yeah. but. As the decade ends and the 90s begin, well, the the, the padded shoulders kind of worked its way down to the youth.
0: Yeah, and the youth is, is wearing a lot of clothes at this point. Um, mo- most people are. The, the, and I think a lot of that had to do with hip-hop. Hip-hop became, because it's, you're, you're dancing, and it was about being comfortable when you're dancing. But yeah, the, the pants got baggy, MC Hammer. Yeah. With the MC Hammer pants, the the big gigantic, but those are crazy. people started copying it. I remember Vanilla, Vanilla Ice didn't start out that way, but when they go on tour together, now all of a sudden Vanilla's pants are baggier than MC Hammer's. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know that was that was certainly a look. Now I mentioned those two guys because of their their colorful stage outfits, and then there was a there was a group that came out about a year or so after MC Hammer and Vanilla Ice had had their take on it, and they really. Had uh, they made a big impression on the uh, on the fashion world, not only with their clothes but with their faces. And this is "Color Me Bad" and the song "I Want to Sex You Up." This is a song you never hear anymore, which, in a way, I'm kind of glad. I don't know; it's okay. I just, you know, they, they spoofed it on Saturday Night Live, and. I really liked the song when it came out. Right, so you don't like it anymore. It's okay.
1: Yeah,
0: but i i because it's a
1: song that I think I would get really sick of if it was played a lot. So I, I, don't mind it.
0: What, what makes me chuckle is you gotta watch the video and listen to the song at the same time because these guys are trying way too hard. I remember thinking it was pretty silly at the time. You, you were into it. Yes, I remember you liked yes. it. Yes, but I also thought the one guy looked like. Uh, either it was like a cross between Kenny G yeah. and Arnold Horshack yeah um, but they're you know these guys are up there and they're just trying to be so ultra sexy there was another guy who tried to look like George Michael in the band yes yep and and the lead singer looked like Vanilla Ice and so the uh, these guys were from Oklahoma City but they were i mean they were polished and for one album they were a big deal see this was the, at the time where, where Scott and I parted a
1: little bit with what we were into, so you know we you know backtrack to uh, probably episode sixteen with "Don't Call Them Hair Bands." <laughs> I was I was going down that path. You were hanging
0: on. You, I, sure? Well, it was
1: it was, it was it was still it was the popular style at the time. In you know in, in the early '90s, Guns and Roses was big. That's true. So I was really embracing kind of the the guns and roses look the sunset strip look which was happening at the time sure. it, it it had gone from being a glam look to kind of a very stripped down you know i went out i got the cowboy boots and the, and I was wearing the ripped jeans and I was wearing the, the concert shirts and then i started accessorizing with a necklace and i had long hair
0: so i know you, you in our conversations back and forth you have mentioned the fact that uh, on one one week Michael Jackson was number one mm-hmm. on the charts, and the next week Nirvana was number like it went from Michael Jackson yeah. to Nirvana almost overnight. Yeah, based on our little uh, trip down memory lane here, could I possibly put the blame of grunge onto Color Me Bad? <laughs> <laughs> well, so you know
1: that's the thing. It's like anything else. When when something goes too far, you know. Now I'll, I'll, usually people will say that it's because of, of hair metal is is okay. what is what caused the grunge metal to happen because it was a rebellion against all the hair and spandex but you know here's why i disagree with it somewhat is because the look had kind of already changed you know right. you had, you talked about it in in that episode where you know band like poison wasn't wearing the makeup anymore correct you know in in the when we saw them in concert in 1990 they had stripped it down they did and and, they... and, and warrant was stripped down at correct. that point
0: yeah, and then that was right around the time, and, and I was going to bring it up uh, probably towards the end of the episode, I might as well talk about it now, is tattoos. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I started become a big thing. As well. yeah. Right around this time, 1989, 1990, you're starting to see it more and more, and that was something that took a while to replicate in around our area, but once it did, you started to see more and more of it, and it became right. more of a common thing.
1: Yeah, it kind of it, it started, you know, as Scott said, right about that time, and I remember being at the beach and uh, commenting to one of my friends when we were walking down the boardwalk, because back then you could get those, those you know, fake tattoos that people would draw on. And I would see so many of these tattoos were popping up, especially the, uh, the tribal tattoos and, and like the barbed wire tattoos. Right. And I remember saying to him at the time, do you think these are real or are people just getting the fake ones over at the, over, over at the stands? And, and he said, ah, I, I don't think they're real. How wrong were both of us, you know, at the time? And it it turns out that that became now very much a fashion statement. It went from being something that early on, you know, there weren't too many people that were heavily tattooed. Sure. You probably were a biker or, you you know, the harder rock stars, sure. You know, but for the most part, military, definitely military. Yeah. But for the most part, people weren't getting tattoos just for fashion. Right. But it did start now where you got something... Cause you thought it looked nice
0: right and now today tattoo is very much a common part of what almost everybody uh, there's i probably know more people with tattoos than i know without tattoos at this point right so, yeah exactly yeah all right so for the sake of this particular episode we will blame color me bad for <laughs> for leading us into grunge which was my next song and i didn't pick nirvana Because because I don't think Nirvana really embraced the flannel look, whereas Pearl Jam I think really was, I think Eddie Vedder, for me was the poster boy for like that flannel look, and um, it's a cool song anyway. Well, you know,
1: and that's that's interesting that that you say that is because you know I don't want to I don't want to bash on grunge because I know many of our listeners really love grunge, and there there's definitely parts of grunge that I, I did like. I think what upset me was that it changed and took away things that I really liked. And, you know, it, it killed a whole genre that I was into.
0: Right. That, I think that's my biggest issue. But this song, I liked this song when it yeah. came out. Yeah, this, this is actually a really good album. When, when the bands first started coming out, yeah. early grunge is is good music. But then, much like anything that sort of kind of takes over culture which is what happened with grunge is that everybody copied grunge and then that's when the music started to go downhill much like other genres like heavy metal sure heavy metal started to take it like a downward turn or the um, the disco you well know, once once the record companies start to try and recreate it and reprocess it they did the same thing to grunge that they did to all the other other genres before but when this video came out and, and uh, you know, I had not seen it in a long time, so, you know, I
1: may be, may be off on my facts a little bit, but, you know, I remember him definitely wearing flannel. Mm-hmm. Um, was was he wearing the shorts at the time? Yep. He, you know, and he probably had the Doc Martens on. And, yep. and I just remember, I think I kind of liked the look. I think I probably went out and, and tried to recreate it
0: myself. Yeah. I mean, I was definitely somebody that I was big into having not necessarily a flannel shirt, like the like the checkered flannel, but I would have some type of an American Eagle shirt, which was a very popular store in the 90s. And then you would, so you would layer it. You would have the t-shirt underneath, and then you would put some type of a of a heavier uh, shirt over top, like a flannel shirt or, um, you know, any, any type of a shirt that was similar to it. Right. Yeah. T-shirt underneath. You
1: weren't showing off that, uh, the gym body that you're working on? Well, occasionally, yeah. depends on how
0: often I was going to the gym at the time. Because
1: that definitely was a look, you know, you, I mean, sometimes you would layer it, but the, there was definitely a thing where you would wear that that flannel and just, you know, have it, you know, maybe
0: three or four buttons down. Sure. And uh, of course, when Sean and I would go to the gym together and the few times that we actually had sleeves on our <laughs> shirts, we would roll them up. Uh, that was a big thing. And, and we would go to the beach and go to the boardwalk and yeah. I found myself rolling my sleeves up uh just to show off the guns because uh, you know if you're gonna put that much work into it i gotta show them off (laughs) Uh, well so even one good thing that sort of came out of grunge i think as a result of grunge was in, in this is a very specific type look which is still popular to this day i don't think it has ever really gone away see if you can visualize this music video well it's
1: house of pain yeah to jump around, remember how these guys were dressed? I, m- I remember them being in, in like the Irish pub, kind of jumping.
0: They're wearing baseball hats, basketball jerseys. Oh yeah, that's right. They had like Celtics jerseys on. Yeah, sure. Still to this day, and and these guys were really one of the first to have it as an everyday look, and and that was the thing
1: that was in the '90s. You were seeing jerseys worn out in public more than just maybe at a sporting event.
0: Yeah, and, and these were really the first guys that I saw wearing a lot of basketball jerseys. Um, you know, rap really popularized like the black hats, Raiders, socks. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the baseball jerseys they were were a big thing, but I mean, these guys really rocked the sports look that still exists today. Now, starter jackets were big right
1: and i think some of the early rap guys were wearing the starter jackets right and and as you said the raiders look was was i think very synonymous with what was nwa with what they were doing right
0: okay yeah so i think i think um more so which one of my favorite wedding reception songs whichever yeah that's a good song it still gets everybody going
1: even today, you know, we, we, we talk a lot about the 80s, in particular with, with music, and, and I think we need to do a little more with the 90s because I, you know, there, I have some ideas just because there's a lot of good stuff yeah, with the is. 90s, especially, I would say, um, early hip hop is really good, mm-hmm. you know, like what you play with the kid and play. But I totally forgot about. Um, about that song. And yeah, that's that to this day, you do hear at sporting events and, and I didn't know like weddings that you're doing is sure that that's a good one too. But no, that's that. Uh, it's amazing how how the hip hop world is so influential with fashion.
0: Yeah. And which kind of takes us now we're starting to get towards the end of the 90s now. It, much like the 80s, the I think we kind of go on sort of an autopilot. I, is there anything that stands out to you in the middle of? to the late nineties uh, there, there's just a couple of things that I have two songs left that I was going to play. And I mean, is there anything that we that I'm missing that, that maybe you want to bring up at this point of, of nineties fashions, because it, it's all seems like from like 95 to 98, 99 things kind of stayed about the same. All right. So a couple of things that, uh, that came to mind. It's, it's not that it
1: was new fashion. But it was old fashion that became new, in particular sideburns, and the the television show that you said that you know you really like was Beverly Hills Nine Hundred Two One Zero. Yes, yeah, to get that right. That's going to be
0: an episode as guilty pleasures. All right, yeah.
1: And that to me, that a show that I did not watch, but I did remember the fashion came out that the fact that the characters, what, what were their names? Like Brandon. And Come on,
0: Brandon and Dylan. Dylan, and, yeah, yep. And <laughs> uh, Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> Come on,
1: I literally never watched the show.
0: Donna. All right. I guess. <laughs> David. There's a David? Yeah, David uh, Silver. Oh, okay. Oh, he's a blonde guy. <laughs> no, he was the he was the, the kid. It was Brian
1: Austin Green. All right, the... there you go. I really didn't know. But anyway, <laughs> so so it was it was a big deal that sideburns started coming, you know, becoming very popular. Right. And uh, I mean I, I think I even tried them for a while, not for very long or successfully, but um, you know, Scott talked about the baggy pants. You know, platform shoes was something that was big in the 70s. And then there was a period where the Spice Girls kind of ruled, and they brought platform shoes back again. Okay. And, I, I you know, there was, once again, something old became new again. And it it became a little different because now they used it on the bottom
0: of sneakers and and things like that. You know what? You bring up a good point. The Spice Girls came out very, right around the same time, maybe just a hair after the first Austin Powers movie with Mike Myers. Mm Mm-hmm where he plays a character that was in the sixties and you know, comes back to the nineties. And I think that sort of that sixties culture is particularly being represented in great Britain and that it looked like it was so much, fun, I think that's maybe where it made that start to make that comeback Could be. because the spice girls look had kind of had a very similar vibe to that movie, I think. And, um, yeah, I mean, it it brought the '60s back into our conscience consciousness that probably hadn't been there before. And you're right, the fashion started to make a little bit of a change after that. Well,
1: the '80s was a throwback to the '50s in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. you know, and and the '90s for sure had artists that were embracing aspects of the '60s. I think like Lenny Kravitz was somebody that that's a good one. really embraced the look of the '60s, and I, I really liked uh, you know what he did with that. So also, you know, with facial hair, you start to see goatees. That was never really a thing before, you know. We, you know, there were mustaches and beards, yes, and clean shaven. And suddenly, especially with grunge, you're seeing the scruffy goatee on most guys. Most of you Gen X guys out there, I guarantee you tried a, a scruffy goatee at one point.
0: Um yeah as sean knows i i had a goatee probably what most of my adult life i i had one for many years as well i switched to i I've, i've grown it out and i have i've had a beard but at one time i couldn't completely fill in a beard and that's and i think that's a good point it's that a lot of men aren't able to grow a
1: full beard until they hit their 30s right you have patches well that goatee look you know that if if Kurt Cobain could have a scruffy look and uh, you know it it was something that you know like Johnny Depp today still kind of has a little bit of that look it right. it it's it looks good it gives you some facial hair gives you some coverage but i don't think that we ever really saw it at least not among people that were young back in the 80s
0: no that's true i mean a lot of times it would be that was considered like a bohemian like a beatnik kind of look. Our music teacher, Mr. Miller, had one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's it what was I was thinking. A of.
1: really big, thick, full goatee. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, uh, all right. So you mentioned the yeah.
0: sideburns, and you mentioned uh, the one other thing with the facial hair is the chin strap. Sure. The chin strap started to become a thing, which made me think of this particular group. This is Smash Mouth. Mm-hmm. From Astro Lounge. Astro Lounge is a phenomenal CD. I remember you were really into this. This was a great, great album.
1: So, what year would this have been?
0: Ninety-eight.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so, wait. When I think of the nineties, in in all aspects, you know, music, um, fashion. I say all aspects you know I, I guess it movies it doesn't really matter but at least at least in music and, and fashion the book ends of the 90s is what I like they okay. they to me there's a little bland in the middle but when you get on the the two ends of when you get the beginning of the 90s a lot of color a lot of hip hop a lot of fun when you get to the around ninety fives and seven you start to get good a good kind of a vibe like this
0: yeah the music of 1998,
1: 1999. I
0: liked it a lot. All kinds of record sales were being Dogs The were really big. Third Eye Blind. When the boy bands were setting up music, uh, like uh, yeah. you know the Backstreet Boys, mm-hmm. or In Sync, they were breaking all kinds of sales records. They, they were beating the Beatles in terms of record sales for like the release of a new album or something. And it, it was really a popular time for music and. Uh, I think this is probably the heyday of the record companies because after that, it changed drastically. But this this was the high point. And there was there was quite a bit of good stuff out at that time.
1: Right, right. And I, I definitely liked the music that was happening. And because we still had music videos, there still was MTV. We were getting videos with this.
0: And I liked the visuals that were being presented as well. All right, so with the good comes the bad. You know, this is where things start to become a little bit overdone. I, I talked about Backstreet Boys, which were good, and sync good. Uh, then the, the record company's like, get me a boy band. Mm-hmm. I remember there was a reality t- show, t- uh, TV show about the making of the group O-Town. Do you remember O-Town? I do. Okay. So O-Town, they had a little bit of success, 98 Degrees, a little bit of success. Do you remember the band LFO? I do. You do remember the band? I do. Uh, they, I. Are you going to play their popular? I'm going to play the worst, pro- probably the worst I, <laughs> popular song of the 1990s. I don't know who wrote it. I, I guess I could go back. I, it, and the, it, some is it the one where
1: he sings about? I like girls who wear Abercrombie and
0: Fitch. You got it. Ah, uh, Chinese food makes him sick. Yep. And the and the Celtics jersey 33. That's Larry Bird. <laughs> we got to end the show with this, right? See, I disagree. I like this song. <laughs> this brings back good memories. I like this. It does bring back good memories. See this
1: to me is the epitome of a of a pop song. Is that it's just a bunch of silliness. And it's it's like it's like a bowl of orange
0: sherbet. It just kinda tastes good. It gives you no nutrition, but it's still it's it was a delightful experience. You know, it's, it's funny. I heard this song on Sirius XM not too long ago. And I was like, oh man, I, I haven't heard this song in a long time. Like when it went off the charts, it literally went off the charts for for quite a while. So uh, you want to talk Guilty Pleasures? I I still occasionally will go watch this video on YouTube. But I, I think the reason why I picked this song is because it does include so much fashion stuff in it. You know, like so much, so many things that were culturally important at that particular time, like Abercrombie and Fitch. Yeah. If you were a teenager, you wanted to buy your clothes at Abercrombie and Fitch. That that was a store that you needed to go to. I remember my brother-in-law, Colin, you know, he had to have, I mean, I remember having arguments with, with my mother-in-law about tommy hilfiger and timberlands i remember the two of them went to the timberland outlet store in redding and stood in line for three hours just to get inside okay and because timberlands were were such a such a big shoe or boot that you had to have absolutely and all the kids were wearing uh you know tommy hilfiger when he was in high school i mean it was Mm -hmm. like one of those must-haves well, and also with Abercrombie & Fitch, you know, part of fashion can be scents.
1: You know, it can be fragrances. And you knew where the Abercrombie & Fitch store was at the mall because they just pumped. I think, I think the scent they pumped out was fierce. Oh, really? Yeah, I think so. And, you know, there was this, you, every,
0: all of you Gen Xers know this. You could smell it in the mall. You knew where that store was. Well, I managed a retail store in the, uh, in the mid-90s. And I had a kid that applied for a job to come work for me, and I I managed an Izod clothing store. Izod did not have the status that it did in the in the early '80s. So this kid comes in and and interviews for the job, and one of their on their resume said that they worked at Abercrombie and Fitch out in the mall. And he made it a point to tell me I was one of the kids that stood out at the entrance. Okay, because remember, only the best looking kids could do that. Was at, it, was, it was like a casting call. Okay. Where they would have these 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 teenagers that were these employees that were the best looking ones would stand up there so they would attract people to walk into the store. And when you walked into the store, it wasn't like a big giant opening like most mall stores. You actually walked through like a doorway. Yeah. And it was kind of dark. And then it was. You, and then it was like almost like an event to walk into the store. And this song's really been played for a long time. I guess I like it better than I, I thought. I guess that you do. Know. All right. Um, so what did we miss? Oh, fragrances. I want to talk about yeah. fragrances. Right. So we didn't we didn't talk about fragrance. Now, uh, I don't know what people wore in the 70s. Old Spice. I, we were too, Old Spice, mm-hmm. Brute, I sure. think, yeah. was, was that. Aqua Velva. Yeah. I think those were all things that our dad Jean had. Jeanette for the ladies. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's That's, true that's what marie on everybody loves raymond that's what she used to wear okay
0: and um so that was probably the fragrances it was funny when when sean and i were in high school together every guy that i knew that wore some kind of aftershave or cologne at at our particular school wore stetson
1: at one time i don't
0: know if stetson was a big deal anywhere else other than Maybe our little pocket area that, that we grew up in, but Stetson Cologne was and I think probably why so many guys wore it is because it was relatively inexpensive. Right. Didn't cost a lot of money. And the fact is if you're in the gym locker room and uh, those guys that didn't want to shower and go back to class, you know, you open up the locker and splash on a little Stetson Cologne and or aftershave. So you didn't, uh, you know, you didn't stink when you went back to your class, but I I, I remember being at my locker after like practice or something. And one of my buddies going, Hey, give me a couple splashes of Stetson or something like, and you would, uh, because we all smelled the same. And then we started to branch out. I know by my senior year, I was big into Drakkar. Sure. And I believe you. I think I got into car because you were very much early into the Calvin Klein obsession. Well, and, and I dracar.
1: did you? So yeah, yeah. So the I, I can. I was very into fragrances. So I, I remember my progression, and you know, starting out, uh, it, I didn't wear fragrances in junior high. That wasn't a that wasn't a thing. Yeah. And but I remember you know going to high school and starting out with Bert you know the splash on brute aftershave okay then i went from brute then i went to stetson
0: now i think it's important you know for our listeners to get to know us a little bit i think you should tell the story about when you were a camp counselor and okay. your story with obsession yeah, yeah. with your camp counselor you know with the kids that were in your in your cabin right all right so you know like, like say the the progression you know i i went
1: from you know i went from stetson i i think i graduated to Jovan musk I, I did, um, I, I think then I went to Drakkar. It, that was, and, but then after Drakkar, once again, I always liked to smell a little bit different, right? So the, the idea is, you know, when it became super popular, I would kind of move on. So I was always trying something else. So then I moved on to uh, Calvin Klein's obsession. And uh, in 1990, I was a soccer camp counselor. And I remember I was, a, it was junior high soccer camp.
0: And, you know, at that point, you know, guys
1: need a little instruction
0: sometimes you know well they were they were at the age where they they started to like girls but they had right. no idea how to talk
1: to they them. had no clue and they didn't know right they they had no they had no game but they they kind of like girls but they still were kind of smelly boys right <laughs> so i basically so what we would do is we would have you know kind of a we, it was a combined soccer camp with field hockey camp so there was girls there to play field hockey guys play soccer and then at dinner, everyone would come together. And then we would, you know, have have a like a group thing afterwards. And so I remember they're in the bathroom, because I made them shower after <laughs> we played, because you know, there were some guys early in the wink that weren't that didn't want to shower.
0: Yeah, the swimming pool didn't count, guys. Right, exactly.
1: Yeah. So it was like, okay, we're all gonna shower, you know, they have, and, and I, I lined them up. I literally lined my campers up, like all twelve of them in a row, and I went down the row and I had and I squirted each of them with a squirt of obsession and handed each of them a piece of dentine. Yeah, you had like a squirt, uh, a uh, spray a spray, A spray bottle dispenser, and I sprayed each of them, you know, like on the neck. I literally went down the road and sprayed, and you know, I had them put their hands up, sprayed each of them at the neck, handed each of
0: them a piece of dentine. and I said, okay, now we're ready to go talk to the girls. <laughs> uh yeah, that was great. Um, I always thought that was uh, so that was a good story. So thank you. Thank you. For so hopefully that. some
1: of my counts, my, my campers, guys, if you remember me from soccer camp, I hope some of you still have the fragrance game going on because I think it's still important to
0: always smell nice. Okay. I know that when I was in high school and immediately after I was a Drakkar person, and then I switched to Benetton. Benetton, oh, okay. Benetton was a very popular uh, clothing store in the very early 90s. But they sell, they sold a a perfume for girls, and they sold a cologne for guys, which, like you said, you know, it, it gets to a point where everybody was wearing Stetson, so I wanted to switch to Jacar. Everybody started wearing Jacar, so I wanted to find something else. Right. I happened to be working out at the mall at the time. Somebody had said, "Oh yeah, that Benetton cologne is pretty cool." So I I went over and and you know bought that. It was much more expensive than the other ones I, had, but it you know I thought it was a cool change and I thought it smelled really good. I, I really liked the Benetton cologne. Mm-hmm. So that was, that was another scent that um, I had done. Also Polo was very popular. Too. Sure. Oh yeah. So those were, those were our fragrances. You know, we mentioned a couple of the uh, sneaker brands and there's a few that we failed to talk about. And I, I want to, they, they kind of deserve their due because they were very much a Gen X only type shoe. Uh, one of them was, and I got a pair of them because I got them for free when I worked at the sneaker store it was the Reebok pump. Oh, you sure? Yeah. yeah I'm the Reebok yeah. pump. It was where you uh, would go and for extra cushion. And it was only on the top of the foot. It wasn't on the bottom of the foot. I oh, really so I never had yeah. a pair. So it was a Reebok basketball sneaker and it had a basketball on the tongue, but it had an inflatable pump. And all you had to do was uh, push the basketball in and it would inflate the tongue of the sneaker to give you more comfort. It was completely actually what we did for fun. The one time was we wanted to see how many pumps it would take before it would explode. Yeah. It was about 25. Okay. Give or take. So we, we how did How many that. licks does it take to it, get to zero? Yeah, the there you go. Yeah. Um, Reebok pump was one Puma, which has now made a big comeback, uh, in, in, in sneakers. But, I just saw someone wearing Pumas today. Um, but the other one that did not survive Gen X was LA gear. You remember L.A. Gear sneakers? Yeah, because w- weren't they involved in the gang wars? L.A. Gear, well, no, but there were there were two there were two uh, sneakers out there that were not L.A. Gear was considered a junk shoe, you know, and, and that's that was just the plain truth. I worked in a sneaker store. We did not recommend anybody right. buy L.A. Gear. It was strictly a trendy. Well they were a fashion show. sneaker. Right. The other one was BK British Knights. That's the one that was involved. That was that was the gang. That was That's the, gang the one. one, yeah. And that actually had two in, uh, two spokespeople that were pretty well known at the time. MC Hammer uh, promoted BKs, and so did um, Derek Coleman, the former the seventy six, former, or Derek the former Coleman? Syracuse Orangeman and uh, NBA basketball player. He was probably, I think, the only spokesperson for BK because okay. it didn't last that much longer. So those, those were, those were two shoe brands that didn't survive the nineties, but they had, they had their moment in the sun. They were popular for, for a brief minute. Yeah. I never had either of those. All right. So a couple other things that we want to mention that I don't think we mentioned before, and we talked about the jeans. We mentioned bell bottoms, cutoffs, Daisy Dukes, jean jackets, baggy jeans, ripped jeans, but we didn't talk about rolling your jeans. That was definitely a fashion trend as Mm -hmm. well, where you would bring the cuffs together and roll them up. Uh, Jockeys, Jim Palmer, jockey underwear. Mm -hmm. That became really popular in in the 80s, and you had this athlete, Jim Palmer, Hall of Fame pitcher, Mm -hmm. probably better known to women that are in the Gen X era for the jockey ads of him posing in his underwear. Right. Uh, But jockey underwear became absolutely huge. During the Gen X era, even though they were, had were underwear company that had been around for a number of years, they really hit it probably hit it big in the late seventies, early eighties, with the bikini type underwear for for men to wear. And
1: you know, with underwear, I that you know back in the back in the eighties, I mean, for the most part, we were just wearing briefs. But I, things changed, and the boxers became a bigger thing for for Gen Xers as the 90s, you know, began.
0: I mean, wasn't one of the popular TV commercials the Fruit of the Loom underwear guys and those were the tighty-whities. Yeah. So that was that was what everybody wore, you know, for guys they wore, you know, there were some some guys that wore the bikini underwear but it really became popular in the 1980s with uh, you know, with with Jockey, and especially Mark Wahlberg,
1: you know, cuz he was known for it was it Calvin Klein, was that yes, his ad, it was Calvin and, Klein. you know, and I think he was one of the first people to ever kind of come out wear like, the boxer briefs. Mm-hmm. So that was that was definitely something that I don't think as a guy, prior
0: to the 90s, you even thought about your underwear. Right. Um, so we talked about a couple of different brands. We already mentioned Abercrombie & Fitch, Tommy Hilfiger, Members Only, Bugle Boy. Was I, I, a huge, I, I have that was on a my list, yeah. Um We mentioned Polo, Izod. You mentioned Levi's. Mm-hmm. Here's one that really became huge in the nineties was umbros, umbros, soccer shorts and, and umbros sportswear, the soccer short, when Sean and I first started playing, you know, high school soccer, the shorts were short and it wasn't until umbro came out with this longer version by, by my senior year, everybody had soccer shorts that came down to the knee whereas before they would come down mid thigh and that was a trend that started in the late 80s and a lot of that is attributed attributed to the longer soccer shorts we started started to see international players wearing these longer cut shorts and then it became a thing and by the end of the by the late 80s if if you played the sport soccer and you were in the United States you probably had a pair of umbras which in in my case, we had I had many pairs of umbrellas. That was that was a must have to wear. And it wasn't
1: just soccer where the shorts started to get longer. Basketball, you know, and to me, the the trendsetters were the the Fab Five of Michigan, you know, led by Chris Weber, where they all came out with the uh, with the longer shorts. And I think it's pretty much a state to this day. If anything, they they've gotten longer. Sure. But it wasn't just athletic wear. You started to see your regular shorts that you would wear in the summertime they started to get longer they started to go from mid-thigh to down to the knee
0: and the other thing that i wanted you know we talked about some accessories um amy wanted me to mention plastic bracelets for for girls okay and banana clips i said what's a banana clip? banana clips or butterfly clips
1: yeah and she i remember said, the butterfly clips okay like in the for the in the hair
0: yeah yeah and she's like uh if you are if you were a teenage girl in the '80s, you had a banana clip. Okay. You just did. If you had longer hair, um, I know one of the things that we talked about, we had joked about, and she mentioned the spray sun in. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. Okay. So when she was in in middle school, she got the idea with her because she wanted to have blonde hair. So she bought the sun in, sprayed it on her hair, and it turned her hair bright orange. Okay. Didn't have the blonde effect like she had hoped for it to do. Because wasn't that the idea, spray it in your hair, then you went out into the sun and the sun naturally bleached it. Yeah, and, it turned it it turned it blonde. Yeah. yeah. It turned her hair bright orange. Um the other the other two accessories I think are important to note to note are technology because the technology became an accessory to fashion. And I'm talking about the boombox, also known as a ghetto blaster. Okay all right, we saw people all over the place from all walks of life, all around wherever we traveled, whether it was vacation, around home, everywhere, you saw a guy carrying around a, a big boombox on his shoulder. That would became kind of like his fashion, was to carry around and blast loud music. Mm-hmm. And you, we would see it at the ball games. We would see it at the beach. We would see it at the mall. I mean, everybody, it was like a part of somebody's look was to have this big you know, piece of plastic up on their shoulder that played loud music. The other thing was, I had friends, and I'm pretty sure you had friends too, that wore their Walkmans like an accessory. And you had the headphones. If you weren't listening to the music, they were draped around your neck. Yeah. And I had, we had a lot of friends that would walk around. The Walkman would be in their pocket. But then they would have the headphones mm-hmm. and then whenever, you know, they would sit there and at any moment they could flip the headphones on and listen listen to their cassette tape or right. whatever. Right. I mean, I, I think that's important to note because I was pretty, especially in the early 1980s, mm-hmm. I knew a lot of people that, that walked around like that. Right. Now, you know,
1: I, I think it, it should be mentioned too that, you know, when you span the entire generation of Gen X, you know, some of us, like you weren't even born at the beginning of the '70s. When when 1970 rolled around, you know, I'm, you know, I'm one. So you know, by the end of the Gen X run, at the end of the '90s, we're adults. Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, you know, I'm in my 30s at, right. at that point. And you know, there's certain fashion that is for the youth. I think it should be. I, I don't know about you, Scott, but sometimes I think it's a little silly when, when people that are a little too old to to try to embrace the latest fashions, yes. do that. And, and, you know, there's one thing about being stuck in a certain era, but there's another thing about, okay, well, I'm going to mature and get to into the adult world as far as what, what, you know, what my fashion is. And so all of us Gen Xers probably experienced that somewhat at least towards the end of the 90s. And so, you know, w- when we talked about movies, you know, the movie uh, Swingers always kind of stood out. And, you know, that was that was. Us, at that age, you know, because I was pretty much the same age as the characters in the movie, all right, so, you know, we're in our 20s, and we're not kids, so we're not not wearing the trends of the high school kids, but we're still not ready to to be grown-ups completely, and we still want to be somewhat trendy, and I think you saw that whole revival of that that big band kind of trend. It was almost like a throwback to the 1940s, and, you know, the zoot suit is Mm -hmm. kind of what, what was happening, and... I think that movie did a good job kind of representing where, you know, we were at that time, and also along those lines, for us, I think for the first time, khakis kind of became a fashion statement, because sure. it was something that you could wear to the office, right? but you could also wear out and about, you could go to the grocery store, but you could also probably wear it out, uh, you would go to dinner, go to the movies, and... You know, the, the, uh, you know, whether it was Gap or whether it was Bugle Boy or Dockers, you know, we are now kind of getting out of like acid wash jeans, which we didn't talk about. Right, But we're now kind of dressing like adults.
0: Right. Um, You know, we mentioned all different types of hairstyles. I don't know if we maybe just unintentionally, intentionally glossed over one particular term that you and I. With that, that, that term mullet, which didn't exist back in the it day? It didn't exist. Um, we mentioned about somebody who was very fashion, like people copied the way that they looked. And I'm pointing out one particular individual, and that was Wayne Gretzky. Okay. And the way he wore his hair, which was a little bit longer in the back, and when you watched him skate up and down the ice, you know, the hair kind of flowed behind him. I think a lot of people saw that as cool, Soccer players were doing the same thing, too. Diego Maradona had really short hair in 1986 and let, sort of let his hair get longer and longer. A lot of athletes started to do that because they liked the way it looked when they would be out there performing. And it kept the, your, your, the hair out of your face when you're trying to play, but just so we able to have long hair. Correct. And so, you know, we, call it, we called it, honestly, we called it hockey hair back in the day. And Sean and I, we had the same lady young lady that used to cut both our hair for many years mm-hmm. her name was terry and uh, you know i credit terry for being you know, where i don't know if we were necessarily hip in terms of our clothing right but when it came to our hairstyles we were pretty much on board with what was going on at that particular time. oh absolutely time. and so we went to uh you know terry used to cut our hair so we had we had gone from feathered hair parted in the middle to uh, long hair and by the end of the decade you know she was spiking my hair and i had i had a really short almost like a crew cut but instead of it being really super short on top she gave it just enough hair or you know gave me just enough hair that i could take hair gel rub it in there and create these little daggers on top of my head yeah. that, uh, you know, created this, but it was an in, in look at the time. It was very, it was very time appropriate for, for, you know, the late eighties. Yeah. You know,
1: I, I was on a website just the other night and, you know, they were talking about mullets and they, you know, of course they're going back through the eighties in particular. And I'm, I'm looking at a photo. I'm like Wayne Gretzky, they showed him I'm like, that's not a mullet. They showed Patrick Swayze. I'm like, that, that's not a mullet. And you know, you if you had hair on the sides, that was not a mullet. You know, it's it it was just, you know, it it could have been a, a hairstyle that that Duran Duran might have worn. It was something that um, a lot of the rockers might have worn. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, to me, the mullet really didn't happen until 1992, and Billy Ray Cyrus yes. with the Achy breaky heart, where he literally had a buzz cut up top and long hair in the
0: back. I mean, the only other performer that I could even think of was Michael Bolton. He was the only other guy that had that really short on the top and then super long in the back. Right, and short on the sides. Right. Yeah, those were the only two people that I could remember in that early uh, early phase that where the term mullet started to become a word. Yeah. The other thing I wanted to, to just briefly mention was perms. Mm-hmm. getting your hair permed was a was a very common sure in the 1980s um amy you know, my wife she she was perming her hair in the mid up to the mid 90s and that was still that was still a thing to get your hair curled and and go to the beauty parlor and and get it done so uh you know a lot of i would probably say at least half a dozen of my friends and and i know you your friends had it done too it was not uncommon to do at all. It right. was it was very very popular thing to do especially for guys. Yeah. To to not get the whole head permed, just the back. But just the back. Right. Kind of keep it long in the back and then and then have it have it done that way. Right. It it um you know,
1: I I always say when it comes to to hair, you know, it if you're going to be trendy and have the latest style, you're going to look silly down the road. But that's fine. Because you know, at least if you're fortunate, like Scott and I, we're not we're not very fortunate with with being very tall. But but God gave us a lot of hair. <laughs> yes, that's <laughs> so true. The beautiful thing with that is, I mean, I've had many different hairstyles sure. over the years, and yeah. as a, a, have you. And the nice thing is, it's always grown back. You yeah. Know? yeah. And you know, even in our fifties, it's still something that still grows back. And and so it, that's that's nice. That's not always the case. But it's I've always been of the opinion when you're young and you have hair enjoy it and have fun with it
0: yeah absolutely because you, you know uh, for, for a lot of our friends that was it you know because shortly after a lot of guys that we graduated with started losing their hair in the early 20s and so just the fact that you know we were able to experience different hairstyles for us is is, is a good thing I, I look back with great fondness you know, the i show the show the kids pictures of like my sophomore year in high school when I literally, because we went to a, a, a private school, I had to get my hair cut. They told me my hair was too long, mm-hmm. and I was forced to get my hair cut. So the kids laugh at that picture because my hair's parted down the middle, and and uh, you know they they get a big kick out of it. But you know what? That was a fun time for me. Uh, you know, I remember the, watching a, a video of of during one of our soccer games, and. I ran it just catches me because I was the goalkeeper and some one of one of my teammates scored a goal and I go running up there to like give him, you know, slap hands with him, you know, congratulate him. And I'm and I what I what did I notice? I noticed the hair flowing in the back as I'm running up to mm-hmm. I'm like, "Oh yeah, that's pretty cool." That's right. And so it, it for me it brings back good memories. I I have no regrets about about my chosen hairstyles because they were very time appropriate. Like I said.
1: so, if you can think of, of pretty much any silly
0: hairstyle that happened,
1: I probably tried a variation of it at some point, and that's fine. It's you know, I I didn't fr- I never frosted the tips uh, of my of my hair. I never you know basically at the nineties, I was starting to get. Become a, an adult, and I, so that's that's I, I I didn't really embrace a lot of the '90s hair trends from mid '90s. Then I, I I you know pretty much stopped at that point. But yeah, from from 1980 probably through 1992, I w- I was embracing most hairstyles. And, and as Scott said, we had the, a a a hairstylist Terry who would uh, who was more than happy. In fact, I think she really enjoyed uh, experimenting and doing crazy she did. things. Yeah.
0: Yeah, because I I know we were quite young when she started there because she wasn't that much older than us. She was
1: fresh out of a, a cosmetology school probably, yeah.
0: and so you know we all kind of grew up together. In, yeah, you know, in a, and in so a she way. knew
1: we, when if we would reference a video, right? She knew what we were talking about. If I said I wanted to look, I want to look like Simon LeBon and how he looks
0: in View to a Kill, she would know what I was talking about. And and Terry was pretty. Yeah, Terry was very. If think of the first crocodile dundee movie um the sue who plays the love interest to paul hogan uh that's what she could have passed for a double that's that's who she looked like so um that was our hairdresser terry yeah shout out to terry He did a great job gave us a lot of great memories yep
1: anything else can you think of uh No, but, well, I shouldn't say that. There's a couple other things just to add, because I know, you know, people are probably clamoring for some of the things that that they remember. And, uh, you know, I think that when when you look at television shows and what, you know, where fashion started, for me, the 90s was all about Saved by the Bell. Okay, you know that's where a lot of the of the younger fashion trends were happening. I, I think the show was late '80s through the the early to mid '90s. You know, if you wanted to see AC Slater with a mullet in the '80s, you know, well, what well, we didn't call it a mullet, but yeah, you know, with what people would call that today, he had it. But then, of course, then the hairstyles change, and you know, the the just the colors and the prints, obviously, like Full House, you would see that sort sure. of thing. Uncle yeah. Jesse was very much. Uh, john stamos was was on top of his game with the fashion sense and uh you know it it's for me you know some of the wacky things with the with the shorts like the the jorts i i always got a big kick out of those and then there was something i always forgot what they were called and i looked it up do you remember Janko
0: jeans i remember the name Jenco jeans. so
1: those were those were like there was like jeans that were bell bottoms on steroids the big poofy balloon steroids that if you dropped somebody from a building they would have floated down to the bottom, <laughs> and and occasionally you'll see some people spoof them in movies and and I I never knew what they were called okay so anyways I wanted to throw that out just because uh, I looked it up okay. but uh, other than that I think we covered things that at least you and I experienced sure um, I mean I'm sure there's other people that you know are going to remember you know like like bucket hats and I mean I, I had a bucket hat and but you know so. You know, things like that and I know the the belly shirts are really big in the nineties for the girls and
0: Well it's just coming to mind you had mentioned it in our um don't call them hairbands episode of when you went to see the scorpions. You mentioned that you wore a painter's hat. Yeah. Painters hats were a thing they were for, for a period of time too, yeah. Right. So right. I had my,
1: as I mentioned back then, I had my painter's hat and my jean jacket on.
0: That's right. So I was very 1988, which now, is sure what it you was. Probably had a pair of Nikes on too at that particular time. Uh, you know,
1: because I, I was out or there. Maybe Adidas Sambas. Uh, that that's that's what I was wearing. I was wearing Adidas
0: Sambas because okay. you know those were the uh,
1: the soccer indoor soccer shoes of choice.
0: Okay. All right. So that's going to wrap it up for uh, Gen X fashion. We covered pretty much the whole deck you know, all three decades. So. Hopefully we didn't miss anything. I'm sure there probably is a couple of things that we missed, but um uh, I thought we it was pretty fun that we were able to go back and cover so many topics here in a, in a two-parter. Right, right.
1: And uh it you know, just another another way for her to to kind of go back and and remember fashion and all of you out there listening, you know you you wore things that
0: were silly. Sure. Yeah. You, you you know you embraced some of the silly fashions. But tell me those aren't some of your favorite pictures if you if you ever go back and pull out the picture albums or whatever, and you see the way that you looked. Tell me you don't go back and say, eh, you know, I, could, I wish I looked like that again, you know? Right. Uh, whether it was the physique or whether it was the hair or whether it was the complexion. It could be any number of things, but... Uh, you know i'm sure there were there are definitely pictures out there that you look back with pride on right um, you know there's
1: probably some high school picture with me wearing a skinny leather tie or you know something <laughs> okay. silly like that but hey it was fun and uh, i think fashion is something that is always kind of fun to embrace absolutely so anyway so that brings us to the end of this episode episode number 22 so you know as as we do we go to the odd numbered episodes and the, those are scott so scott what do you have planned for uh next week
0: Well, um, this is going to be somewhat of a tribute to you. Oh, wow. Okay. And so one of the things that one of my favorite, whenever I would DJ a birthday party, one of the things that I got so much joy out of, and people really seemed to like it was, uh, and I did this for Amy's 50th last summer, is I went back and I pulled the Billboard number one song every year that they were alive. Okay. And I would go year by year by year. So in tribute to you, you just recently had a birthday I did. in the middle of March. So we're going to go back to March 19th, Okay, starting in 1970. And we're going to go through all the way through to 1999. And the reason why I did that is there's very few clunkers in there. That's a, I, I could not believe how good and solid your list of number okay. ones are. So I think... You know I know typically when we do music, I try to surprise Sean and, and give him uh, you know this way at least he has plenty of time right that he can go back and and look at some of these that, that these number one songs which you know we'll comment on the artists and and the songs themselves but it maybe it's something uh, if you're listening to this podcast, think about what your birth date is and all you have to do is go to billboard.com and you can go into their archives. And you can actually look up and see what the number one song was in the United States on the day of your birthday. So we're going to start March 19th, 1970, mm-hmm. and we'll go all the way through to March 19th, 1999, and we'll just do a little music retrospective on all the number one songs uh, on your birthday. Wow. I feel so honored. That's, <laughs> that's uh, all right. That's good. I, and I'm not going to lie. I'm going to
1: look up to see well, of course you <laughs> what it was. So, But yeah, good. All right. Good.
0: Yeah, so once again, uh, you know, we want to thank everybody for listening to the Gen X Playback Show. We've been on the air now for about, what, eight, almost nine months now. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's hard to believe long. that we've been going that long. And we're, we're so glad that we have develop, you know, gathered so many listeners all around the area. You know, we talked about Lafayette, Louisiana tonight. And thanking them for for being on board for such a long time. A lot of our listeners really have been with us Mm -hmm. for at least five or six months. And we
1: greatly appreciate that.
0: And so tell a friend and, uh, you know, keep tuning in. We'll try and keep the the topics interesting. And as Sean said before, we're going to just continue to try and bring back those happy memories from from the time that we find so enjoyable to talk about right
1: absolutely so yeah um just look forward to growing this and uh if you would be so kind to give us a five-star review and uh to subscribe and like whatever people do out there in your devices and how you (laughs) connect and uh you know whatever you can do to help spread the word uh, would be much appreciated
0: All right, this is the Gen X Playback Show. We are the Brothers High. I am Scott. And I'm Sean. And we'll talk to you later. See ya.